Well, because we can never do anything the first go, here's the second round intro for the second podcast about NWL. Yeah, I mean, one day we're going to hit one on the first go. Which actually, well, no, never mind, because the NWL one we recorded twice. Oh, well, yeah. But anyway, I think we need to start this by thanking uh, the near 600 people, or 600 downloads of the last podcast, which is unbelievable to me. Uh, this was something we started and thought we'd get 50 downloads, and we hoped we would get 100, which we've shattered 100 every time. This one was a monster, so we uh, definitely appreciate it. Yep. Great. Now that that's out of the way, let's uh, let's knock this out. The last one was 30-plus <laughs> minutes. Let's see if we can beat that. <laughs> so, like, what we're honestly going to do is answer a couple questions and share a couple of stories. And one of the big things was, like, we touched upon, like, people who got let go, but then the people who stayed would take on extra responsibilities. And people wanted to know who, when people stayed, what responsibilities did they take on. I think that's Right, so pretty pretty much everybody that stayed on got some added responsibilities. Um, like I had talked about how I had to start updating the website with the YouTube videos. Uh, the full-time wrestlers, uh, they they had to start doing a little bit more. Like uh, Dak Draper, he started like with the sales team. He had to start helping out there, trying to find sponsors and such. Uh, same thing with Jake Durden, I believe. He started doing sales, and then he uh, that's when those Beyond the League started. He started doing some like little video editing stuff. And then, quite frankly, you know, we it, we it was hard to try to find jobs for other people. Because it's not like these people were hired with a certain skill set outside of the wrestling. So you had stuff like that. And then uh, we didn't touch on this on the first one, but the anti-bully assemblies, that kind of becomes something that, like, the full-time wrestlers all have to go do. And that's... Even one of the part-timer guys does it, too. Yeah. Yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, me. (laughs) No, they were really cool. Um, I appreciated scaring all those kids with my half dollar. Yeah, well, story. those were really cool. You don't get to normally do those as just a part of an indie show. Correct. So I'm getting to go do these, and quite frankly, I should toot my own horn. I got the first ever anti-bully assembly that happened here in St. Louis, and I'm the one that got it. Ha! Suck it, Lucy. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but you know, well, Lucy got all the other ones. <laughs> but yeah. I got that one. You lit the fire, brother. She just carried the torch. Um. Thor becomes our lone graphic designer. Uh, We find out that he's actually amazing at it. Uh, He was kind of held back at the beginning by the person in charge of graphic design, but that guy was let go, so Thor got to really shine. So then he starts designing our T-shirts, which I know was another question. Um, Pretty much the T-shirt thing was they are really expensive at the beginning. So even though guys like Royal Blood and Dak Draper, they sold a lot of merchandise. At the beginning. I did too. Well, right. But the t-shirts were so expensive to get that it just didn't add up. So we stopped doing them as much. Uh, And then, but towards the middle to end, we end up making a deal with Pro Wrestling Tees. It becomes way cheaper to get shirts done. And that's why you start seeing more shirts at the middle to end of this. Yeah, why? Because they're the way more cost-effective. Yeah, Regals all start getting shirts, and they all look great. Isn't Thor designing the shirts, too, a bit? 
Executive decision. <laughs> um, I think another question was about the uh, the location of Casa Loma. Like, did it affect the uh, draw? Obviously, so. Uh, I think people that like like it was like a dual edged sword. <laughs> like, people who really knew St. Louis weren't going down there because, like, that's a big like right at where Casa Loma is, right down the road, is a big you know, drug prostitution area. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit, Gil Rogers he, wasn't even on a show, just came to see one, he had his car busted into. Right, car broke into, jacket stolen, his Gil Rogers jacket was stolen. Uh, so then you have that, and then you have the other part where just people think South St. Louis, they're just not going to go. So it definitely affected the draw. Um, we would give away free tickets down there. I had a 70% uh homeless person return rate on tickets so they would come to the show we gave them free tickets uh yeah some would try to scalp them but <laughs> uh yeah so the, the area definitely played a, a big part in it and then other area promotion i mean obviously if you can choose to spend 15 or 40 dollars to sit front row to see if you're going mostly for like the vegas the fitches the gary's the Parnells, the Danny Adams, the local guys we were using at the beginning. If you could choose to spend forty bucks or fifteen, you're probably going to choose to spend fifteen. And that's the primarily like the primary reason you're going. So it affected us too. It didn't affect us in Kansas City because we were the only show in town. Uh, that's why I I'm so jealous of Journey Pro because you know I help them out. It, it's way easier because there's no one else around. You don't have to worry about well, who else is booking this guy or that guy? We don't want to step on toes or we don't want to have the same roster like out there. It's just book them because there's no one else. So Wait, you work with Jeremy Crow? Can't even get oh, Gabe or Walter no. to give me a goddamn message back, but you? No, uh, I've actually told them to block you. So God damn, I knew it. <laughs> well, like, okay, so that leads to another question. Um... You, you talked about the Garys, the Jakes, the Vega Fitchets. What were some of you? What were a couple of your favorite and least favorite gimmick changes in NWL? Uh, I mean, obviously, my favorite one was Buddy Shepard. I loved Buddy Shepard. I loved Cornell Douglas. Uh, those are the main ones. I really liked Marcellus Gaines with Drew Gold. Like, I really liked that character. I liked Jack Foster's character. Uh, some of the people I didn't know beforehand, so I had never seen Sammy Six Guns compared to Dak Draper. Or, I mean, I met Moonshine Mantel one time before I knew him as Maverick. So, you know, Regal Twins and Royal Blood, I, I only met the Regals once. So there were a lot of them that I only knew them as their NWL characters. Uh, 
as far as characters I didn't like, not really. I mean, uh, the karate gimmick, I knew that was a little bit weird. There was good, the gimmick guy never debuts, even though he had a mask plot for him. <laughs> There's going to be a character named Kakashi that was going to be an American, but he wore a mask. And that's kind of a weird, kind of loop, like really weird gimmick. I didn't really care for it. But it never debuts, so. Uh, yeah, I mean. I can't think of any. I wrote the Emma Dubois character, obviously. That was great. The Clayton Fox stuff with that was going to be a neat build. Uh, I can't really think of one that I just looked at and I was like, fuck, I hate this. So, yeah. no, not really. Um, some of my favorites were uh, Cornell Douglas, obviously. Um, a lot of the guys you said, but like, I also really liked the underground. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I liked them too. Yeah. Kyle Stark didn't like that one. Uh, I see. I did like it. Like I liked the idea that it would what it would have been, but I just don't like chip day. Obviously. Oh, come on. <laughs> but, uh, no, honestly, see, it's I, our joking. It's going to get us in trouble. It'll yeah, lead I us do, to our, I, the next one. I box <laughs> chip randomly. Just love you chip. Miss you chip. So he don't, he'll know I'm joking. He won't listen to this. He doesn't care. Um, uh, I'll talk, yeah, just the under, let's stick with the underground for me. Like, everybody, you said, I liked Letterman, too. Um, but, like, the underground had, like, this unique, frenzy, energetic attitude. Like, if you can find their match versus the Royal Blood, that was a fucking barn burner. And, like, I love Jake Parnell as the war horse. I love Jake Parnell in general. But, like, him as Jackie Lee Bosch... Like, you just watch him, and he just gets fucking nuts. Like, watch his movements, watch his mannerisms. You don't whip him into a buckle, he comes out hot. Like, shit like that, and watching yeah. Danny Adams slowly, like, sell with his eyes this character, and, like, his, like, will I, won't I, and as he slowly, reluctantly becomes the fucking, you know, Tyler Dirt. No, wait, I, I don't remember which one. Edward Norton of Fight Club, like, they yeah. were a good gimmick, and they, they paired up really well. I'm sad they hate each yeah. other now and that they'll never talk or be on the same show. Yeah, no, they definitely have some heat. Uh, I really like, like, I, I can't remember, I think it was a video we filmed with you where they beat the fuck out of you and Parnell's, like, throwing you in the trunk or something and you, you had Danny Adams, they're like, I don't know about this, Jackie. <laughs> like, it was like, they, they did a good job and it was one of those characters where we didn't, I didn't know what this was going to be like and I didn't think much of it originally but i i ended up really loving it I, I wish we i really wish we could have done more with that it just it just didn't work out yeah yeah that was yeah, my I car they threw me in the trunk of thank you very much <laughs> uh so speaking of heat do you and i have heat over the sale of nwl or anarchy of nwl and the quick answer is no um so going into what I used to be towards anarchy and, and not anymore, it was like when we talked about this like five minutes ago, the best example we had was back in the day, it was you and I as partners. But the best way to describe that was you were the booker and I was the promoter. Um, so I, you know, originally it's both you and I throwing a lot of money in, but eventually life hits you hard. And when you have that happen, like you did, uh, I stepped up and became like the sole financial um, investor, quote unquote, into St. Louis Anarchy. Um, I don't know how much I can invest with the nine to five job, but I think it's fair to say that you, you and I lost a considerable, a considerable bit, 
I can't fucking talk, Jackson. Help me here. I'm dying. Well, I mean, we we both threw in some money in the first part of Anarchy, and that was because while you're building the company, you got to invest into that. Yeah. Uh, and we were, man, we were selling tickets for dirt cheap. I mean, we were having all these people paid for the young bucks on Anarchy ten dollars for a for a GA ticket. We never raised our prices as this goes. No, and it that was a massive mistake. Yeah. Um, it was young bucks twice shot. too, technically. Right. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit, but the double shots massive mistake like we lost money in that era because uh, we we never knew like we never wanted to disappoint the fan base so we didn't want to raise prices so we just would keep doing it and we figured we, we, we hope well one day we'll start selling this building out every show and it won't be as much of a problem but the 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 bad part and where I mean it was a bad business decision on our hand is even if we were selling that building out every show, we wouldn't have seen massive profit. We would have profited some, but selling tickets that cheap for what we were doing back then, even though we would get discounts on these guys through our travels and because the promotion people wanted to come here, I mean, it was still an expensive fucking talent budget. And when when my life took a bad turn, I couldn't do it no more. I, I was not working at that time, and then I was not wrestling very much. And No, you never wrestled on no, Anarchy. <laughs> I uh, wasn't wrestling. I wasn't working, so I wasn't able to throw in. So you took over as the promoter, the sole fucking money, and that, that's what it was. I mean... Um, that's why we had to raise ticket prices when I relaunched. And sadly, I had to look at it and go, well, I just have to hope that the fans keep supporting it, even with the higher price. And, you know, luckily they have. But when you hear, you're going to hear me rant a lot about, like, you know, this being on my back and back then on our back. So that's just the way it is. We don't have a you know, a business partner that can throw in money. We don't have, we have a couple sponsors, but they're not fucking giving us hundreds of dollars. It's just fan support and, and hoping that we keep making And that's just, that's just the way it is. And back then it was difficult to make it. And that, that's what our roles were then. Yep. And uh, I guess I should answer, was there heat when you, when you sold out on me? The answer is no, obviously. Um, what did I get out of the sale of Anarchy? Um, I got to watch my best friend prove uh, that he is just as fucking good as he said he was, and everybody else fucking sucks at their job. Well, not that, everybody. Some, most some people. do. But yeah, like that's what I got. So if you're wondering, like, well, what did you get out of the fucking sale? I literally got to watch one of my best friends just be like, fuck you, I'm good at this. Um. Well, speaking of uh, heat, should we talk about this Nova Pro stuff? Ooh, brother. I don't know. That, that <laughs> might be a little too hot for my hands. Too hot to handle. No, right. it doesn't affect okay, me. I live so, in California. Fucking talk about that, nerd. <laughs> so, like, my take on this is, is this, and I'm going to try not to be long-winded. <laughs> but 
if if you're bringing a talent in and there's guaranteed money discussed and that talent's working on a guarantee, rather that guarantees $20 or $2,000, if you tell somebody, I'm guaranteeing you this amount of money for coming here, you need to give it to them. Yep. Now, we, we can argue, and there's people that have differences of opinion about people who come to shows without a guarantee or travel 20 hours for $20, and there will be people who say that hurts the business. There'll be people who say, well, you have to get those losses in to get your name out there, and we're not here to litigate or debate that. I'm sure we will, but not right now. Yeah. My, but from a promoter point of view, if that person is under a guarantee, no matter the amount of money, you need to have it. Now, if that talent's not on a guarantee, then I guess that's where you can decide to pay that person or not. Now, if they have just said, I'm going to be there, if you got anything for me, great. And then you put them on the show, and then they come up and want money. Well, there's that gray area because you didn't ask for money. You weren't working on a guarantee. But then you'll have people that say, well, you should just pay anybody who wrestles on your show which I can see the argument in that too. My point being, if you run a show and you lose your ass and you have to go to a talent who's not on a guarantee and say, brother, sister, <laughs> I have to PayPal you because we don't have it here. Then, okay, just make sure you PayPal them if you said you're going to PayPal them something. It's probably a good idea not to steal from your wife to pay out those people. <laughs> but, you know, we, I, I mean, it's, I'm not, I, I mean, I really want to kind of get into the Generico story. We're just going to leave that as a teaser for a uh, later episode. There's a great Generico story of, I'm not even going to get into it. Well, That's a, great, a teaser there, folks. Yeah, there's a great story of us in Indiana who were guaranteed right. money for Big Boss Family Entertainment. We're not going to get into That's that either. Tease, that, that's a teaser, too. But, um, Come yeah, on. so that's kind of my take on it. Uh, I mean, I look, we've all been there. We've been there in anarchy a few times during those days where I had to go to local talent, not working on a guarantee, and go, hey, uh, Evan's going to pay Polly something this week, but we don't have it here. Uh, I would always tell talent, I'll walk with you. You want to walk up and look in our money box, you can. But we would always pay Polly within the week uh, if, if we had to do that, and it was never – it was always people not working on a guarantee. Um, yeah, but we always pay people because I I am in the camp that even if they don't have a guarantee coming in, if their body goes in that ring, they deserve money. Yeah. Uh, the only person we didn't pay pal promptly was Kurt Stallion. Uh, we were about three years late. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, we found out when uh, we posted that thing on on Twitter. And he was uh, video, and he responded back like, "Oh, be nice to give him a sixty bucks." And I think I called you. I'm like, "Didn't you pay him?" And he's like, "And you were like, no, didn't you pay him?" And I was like, "No." So I shot him a message. I'm like, "Dude, what are you talking about?" I was like, "Ooh, you said you guys would PayPal me." And I was like, "Did you remind me?" And he goes, "Ooh, I just figured you were burning me." I'm like, "Nah, man, you're sixty bucks. I'm sorry. Like, that's not how we do business." I thought it was but, fucking um, hilarious. Because, like, he yeah. and I had hung out since then. And he yeah. never asked. I was like, all right, man. 
I just, I can't wrap my head around old boy stealing from his wife, though. Uh, well, let me tell you something. You would if if we ever, if I ever fall on hard times now, since it's just me as the promoter and booker, I will flee town and I will burn every bridge I spent 15 years building before I fucking reach into Deborah's purse to try to steal money. You'll be doing dollar menu mid-carters with uh, Evan and Gary. And I'll never be heard from again. And we'll and never mention you again. <laughs> because I would rather that than the violent death that I would make that would come to me if I stole money from her to pay people that came and wrestled on my show. Brother, my I can't God, even... she, she'd kill me. She'd kill me. I, I think she's even... trying to kill me now and I haven't stolen Jesus. from her. So if I steal from her, she's going to kill me for sure. She'll be more active with it, I guess. Brother, I can't even steal a chocolate chip cookie from my wife without Allison bringing down a fork on my hand. So, yeah. Well, could, you, could you imagine trying to steal it? Unbelievable. Okay. Where are we at minute-wise? i got to make sure I get in my hoodie store. We're at the 21-minute mark. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, hoodie reminded me of this after the first episode. So uh, Major shuts down Anarchy in the middle of Anarchy. NWL-STL in the middle of the night. Right. Uh, he does it on a Sunday night. Monday morning, a bright-eyed, excited Hoodie Hallett starts in the NWL offices as a video editor. His primary job, the reason he was hired, moved to Kansas City from Colorado to edit the St. Louis shows. <laughs> on his very first day, Major has shut down St. Louis. So poor Hoodie thinks, am I fucking out of a job already? I just fucking got here. <laughs> and that was his first day in the office. God bless you, Hoodie. God bless you. Um, <laughs> all right, so there's two questions we missed, so let's rapid fire these off. Um, uh, given the financial backings, would you have brought any names in? Look, not really. I mean, we had talked to Matt Riddle some. Uh, I look, I, I've never been about just wanting to bring in names. Now, some people may look at like the first run of Anarchy and go, well, that's bullshit because you brought in every name there was. You have to remember that four of those names, Davey, Kyle, Elgin, ACH, all lived in St. Louis. They were the equivalent of local guys. Um, I always preferred to take talent like Gary, Vega, Fitchett. Uh, Connors was a guy I was trying. I was building. Jojo Bravo was a guy I was building. These are all through Anarchy, and bring in some national level stars to work with them because then they get better. But the goal is to still focus on your roster and trying to cultivate talent and make stars the best you can, so then that they can go and do all kinds of other things. Where in NWL. You know, we had Wyatt, we had Dak, we had Thor, we had Maverick, Hoodie. There's just people I'm naming, and we would bring in names to try to work with them and elevate them. But it was never a situation where it's like, oh, we got to get so-and-so in or this guy in because, you know, we just want to book him. There's always a method behind if I bring a guy in. John Gresham, it was because I think he's the most underrated guy in the world. And I wanted to see him and Wyatt, who I also think is very underrated, tear it up. Hollow Wicked never comes to this part of the country. Wanted to get him in, and I'm 
happy I was able to get him for fucking Journey Pro. Like, that should be the method behind bringing a guy in. Sure, it's fun and, and good business to bring in a guy if you can afford him to pop the draw, but I work hard and our team works hard to try and get those draws while still focusing on what the brand is. And with NWL, it was the focus on what the TV show needs to be. Right. Nick Gage is coming to Anarchy because that atmosphere, which will be happening this Saturday when this airs, that atmosphere of him and Gary is going to be unbelievable. And that is why we do what we do when it comes to bringing in names. So, yeah, I didn't really rapid fire that off, but the, the short, the long answer is no, not really. Like, yeah, it's always fun to bring those guys in, but I can't really think of anyone I just felt like I had to have. It would have been Kyle O'Reilly, but we had him. Yeah. Uh, and last question: What was your immediate thought when you woke up to the day and St. Louis was shut down? Nothing really. I mean, I crossed my mind that I would either be let go or they would ask me to move to Kansas City. So. I kind of just spent the most majority of that day to trying to decide, okay, if they asked me to move to Kansas City, am I going to do that or no? Because I didn't think I wanted to. Uh, right around the time he closed it down, you know, I'm diving into my personal life for a second. Like me and Deborah had gotten back together. I had moved back in with her, and I was focusing on that, focusing on the fact that I had had my life back together, and I wasn't so sure even though I was making great money at NWL, if I wanted to move to Kansas City regardless. So that, that, that's about it. I spent a good portion of that day trying to decide what I would do if presented with this. And then I ordered a pizza and watched Orange is the New Black, like I said. Mm-hmm. I don't worry. That's <laughs> just not what I do. It's, all right. Me sitting here worrying all day isn't going to change what the fuck he's going to do. So it's just going to make me worry all day. So... Yeah. I'm a problem solver. If he would have fired me, I would have figured that problem out. If I would have decided to quit, if he wanted me to move there, I would have figured that problem out. All right. All right. And last question. Why does Jason Strife hurt me, hate me personally for killing the Kings of Squashes? <laughs> what? Why does Jason Strife hate me personally because he canceled on the Kings of Squashes? That great gimmick. Could have been one of those. Could have been one of the million things you've possibly said to him in passing that's offended him, like you did Jeff Cobb. Fuck Jeff Cobb. Like you did, oh. hey, hold on a second. And <laughs> that's a wrap. And with that, Major shuts down in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, why the fuck do I got my phone up on the soda like yours? I don't know. That is weird <laughs> now that you've done that. What the fuck am I doing? Um, what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> Damn. Uh... Yeah, so I'm not going to talk much about that because I've done that like on Greg's podcast and I think I did it some on our Anarchy Return or whatever the fuck we've talked about this. So I I think the part of the story I've never told is like his reason for doing that is he got really fucking mad because he felt like this radio show was making fun of Larry Nickel, who is a wrestling fan that lives in Illinois. And Major felt that, like, Larry wasn't in on these things, that these people 
were just making fun of him. And taking advantage of him. Right. Now, only they know if that's what they're doing. So I'm not here to fucking litigate that. But if they are doing that just to make fun of him, then fucking that's not right. And Major had a point. Not that he should have shut down his own company, but like that is bullshit. But, you know, only they know that. But he that had happened. He got pissed off and put out that Facebook post that St. Louis was shut down. Um, I I don't know. I don't think he really knew what he was doing. Uh, I didn't have know anything about it. I woke up and had a uh, had about fucking twenty texts and fucking tons of boxers boxes of people asking me what the fuck was going on. Uh, the first one I seen was from Bruce because by this time. He had hired Bruce to come in and help me promote because in, in Kansas City they'd have like street teams go out and promote where in St. Louis it was me and then like you and Gary would help. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't anybody for during the day. That would just be me. So he pretty much hired Bruce to come in to be like, all right, now we have another guy. We have two people, which didn't really work out because it was still pretty much me. Just Bruce would be with me. It wasn't a situation where... He would go out and promote on a day or two, and then I'd go out at night. It would just be, he's with me during the day, and then I would still go out at night. So it, I, his hiring cost a lot of more money than what it was worth, but he was always a nice guy. But anyway, that's the first text I see is from him that says, like, well, guess we're fired or what? So I get a hold of Chris. Chris says, I have no idea what's going on either. He goes, all I know is Major sent me a text that said not to worry about it. It'd be fine just to trust him. And he goes, that's all I know too. So no one in the company knows. Everybody's kind of freaking out. Not, I don't know, Ian. I don't really freak out. So yeah. I was just like, well. I had gotten a good payday. Right. I, I, was I, over, was I looked at this from the very beginning. Like, if it works out, fucking great. I'll have a job for years. If it don't work out, it's the fucking wrestling business, and I was just able to make fucking way more money than I ever thought I would in it, and way more money than a lot of people who've gotten into wrestling have made. Like I, you know, it, it's fine. Like it, whatever happens with this happens. Uh, so I wasn't really worried. I, I, I've told the story a million times. I fucking ordered a fucking pizza. Started watching the new season of Orange Is the New Black. Turned off my computer. And waited to hear what was going to happen. And uh, finally, Major called me about 3 or 4 o'clock that day. And was like, oh, I bet you're freaking out. And I was like, no, not really. I'm watching TV. And then he was like, look, he's like, you know, St. Louis isn't getting shut down. Like, um, we're just done at Casa Loma. By this time, we'd already been looking for a new place. And we were already kind of talking to that MSG place. So that became way more important to nail down. Um, so that was it. And he's like, well, how are we going to get out of this? And that's when like the anarchy stuff kind of get, got tossed around. And I, that was my idea. Cause I looked at it as, Hey, this is a way that we can get guys being called by their names again. Shit like that. Well, we also lose people here too. Like- yeah, no, we, we, during this process, we lost some guys cause you know, during the process of people not knowing whether or not this was a work, you had people voicing their opinions on social media that, you know, Chris saw and didn't like. So that's why you see the end of, like, Danny Adams here and 
Parnell, you know, lots of, I know those are two for sure that we didn't use after this. And it wasn't the it was more Danny voicing his opinion and Jake being the the effect of that too. Yeah, it was Danny. I, I that's why I can only remember. That's why because I can I can only remember them being pissed about some tweet that Dan made. Uh, uh, but you know. Not that he, I mean, he had a right to be frustrated, but you know, I just found it funny where people were like, "Oh, now none of us know if we're out of a job." Saying that to me, and it's like, okay, so you're losing a fucking payout. Not that and Dan didn't say this to me, but other people, I did. Some people did, mostly me. <laughs> we're like, oh, you know, he did this, so we might be out of a job and not even know. And it's like, dude, you would be out of a booking. I would be out of a full time fucking salary and insurance, like. If anyone should be pissed about this, it should be me. <laughs> but it's like, come on, man. And the whole and you just don't run the fucking social media and start voicing your fucking opinion. Like, come on, just let it play out and see what happens. And wait till more facts come out. Right. But you know, some didn't do that, and so you know, we we didn't use them anymore. And look, like at this point, things are starting to drastically change. So, at this point, we've had this creative meeting where I finally kind of voice my opinion because they're trying to figure out, like, well, why, you know, what could we do to make the shows better and make TVs better and blah, blah, blah. And I remember saying, like, well, we could start with having our best fucking people on TV. Like, the best, two of the best promos in the company were you, Buddy Shepard, and Drew Gold, neither one on TV. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but Maverick was. Well, Maverick's a full-time guy. Yeah, but it was still weird. Like, Well, yeah, Maverick would be on TV without Drew Gold. Yeah. So like, what's the, why is that happening? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, our be- like, the besties weren't on TV. They're, they're our best tag team at that time. Perfect foil to wrestle the fucking Regals on TV. But no, they have to stay and be in St. Louis. Like, our best guys should be on the fucking TV show. Mm-hmm. And that was a... Big thing I, I said, and then that that starts to happen because, and this is kind of the end of the i nine. Yeah, this is too. the end of all that. Things start to cha- drastically change here because the business model is going to start changing to where now instead of just doing St. Louis, Kansas City, we're going to start doing house shows and try to find all these other towns to run in. Kind of changes the whole entire fucking business model of the company because now he's not so much looking into city rivalries as he's just looking into towns that we can run in as the nwl and draw people and that's kind of where like my influence in the booking really picks up too because a lot of things start happening here in these next like fucking three months so the st louis gets shut down the anarchy thing little thing happens people change their names there's no real thing to dive into than that I, I, I mean, felt it could have been more, but well, like it, I, I thought it was cut off too early. I, well, some of that is because I didn't want it to be called Anarchy. Because originally he wanted to be like, well, when we find this new venue, why don't we just call it St. Louis Anarchy? And I told him, no, I go, I'm not going to do that because it wouldn't be St. Louis Anarchy. St. Louis Anarchy was not a, chill, a product you know, that's for kids. I always tell people... When they ask me, is, there, is your show kid-friendly? I always say, you're not going to hear any racial slurs. You're not going to hear any sexist slurs. 
You're not going to hear any homophobic slurs, but you are going to hear cussing. From the wrestlers. That, right, yeah. I promised that from the wrestlers, and we're going to have a conversation in March where it's going to start being promised by the entire fan base. Um, not So I promise you're not going to hear that shit from the wrestlers. But you are going to hear cussing. It is a bit more violent than some of your other indies. But if you want to bring your kid, you know, you can. We don't say you can't. That's on you. But NWL is a family product. Like, we are not, we are not calling this St. Louis Anarchy. I, I would not allow that to happen. Um, but kind of like the NWL, STL, NWL, KC get dropped, and it's just going to be NWL. So that's about the end of that. I don't feel like there's any more to go into on the shutdown of Casa Loma. Why didn't I get to be go back to Evangelisco? Because Buddy Shepard was such a good character. So much better. So there were, that, <laughs> I mean, that's why some guys didn't get to because their characters were so good. Like Paco was Javi Torres for a little bit, but we eventually let him be Paco again. Mm-hmm. Um, but Connors, Connor got to be. Did he get to be? Yeah, he got to be Connors again. Mm-hmm. We, he ends up getting changed into the whole pop star thing, which was fucking great. I, I loved it. Um, but for people who had like really good characters, we let them keep those. Like Jake Durden wanted to stay Jack Foster. He came to me and said, hey, I'd like to stay Jack Foster. And I said, okay, no, that's fine. No problem. Where Outlaw wanted to be Outlaw again. Mm-hmm. Um, so Same with the Pez Poopsie Wallace. Who? No one. <laughs> so, you know, from there we start doing the house shows, but then layoffs happen. Because we start this house show thing. They start out well, but at this point, you know, we're not really drawing very well. Um, and it starts, you know, so then these uh, layoffs happen. And that was not good. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, it was good for the company, but it's just rough to see the see. Uh, because by the time the first set of layoffs, you've whittled down from sixteen to let's say twelve. Oh yeah, just ten. Yeah, probably ten. And like, now, it, and now it's going to get cut again. Right, because you. So like this, this is how on the notes it has these things because this all kind of gets fucking lumped together. So we start doing these house shows. The house shows. They're drawing okay, but not fantastic. So then things start, you start sweating a bit because Major's now like starting to be like, man, we're we're losing money here. Like we need to figure something out. Then he starts not coming around so much. (laughs) So Chris starts thinking like, this might be a real bad sign here. So then, from there, it that's when layoffs are brought up. Um, I figured I would. I don't know. I was like fifty fifty because at this point, before like the mass layoff happens, he's let go of some office staff. Nobody who people would know, but one of them was like the second guy in command. Like he steps away from NWL, goes back to doing just other stuff for major. His other business. So Chris has to take over all that responsibility. So by that happening meant all the wrestling shit fell to me. So I'm booking house shows. I'm fucking writing TVs. Mostly by myself. 
and then just sending them in to Chris, and then we sit on creative, and he weighs in, but it's mostly just me, because he's doing everything else to run the company, because the major's not around. Uh, Rob was the guy's, is the guy's name. He's moved back to doing just other stuff, so it's really just Chris. Uh, so in that respect, I'm like, well, man, I, I don't know if they would lay me off, because I'm doing all the wrestling shit. Who's going to write the TV to book the house shows? But someone could have. So I that so then I really started thinking, I'm either going to get laid off or they're going to make me move to Kansas City. And I wasn't sure I wanted to do that because I'm looking at things too going, I'm not moving to Kansas City. And in two months, he shuts down because we're not drawing well. I remember we did a house show in Topeka with Jeff Cobb and only drew like 60 fucking people. And we have the fucking screen there and everything. And there's 60 fucking people there. So after that show, I was like, this is probably... Maybe done because <laughs> this was bad. Yeah. yeah. So who Jeff Cobb wrestle? Dak. How was it? No, well, not bad. <laughs> Jeff Cobb was sick, but it was good. Good. And there's no other stories to tell. Moving on. <laughs> I all right. I fine. I went to Jeff Cobb. Oh yeah, you treat me like nope, shit. No. <laughs> I'm not gonna make this a podcast of me being <laughs> well. Mean stop to treating names. people like shit. I don't treat them like shit. We have to pick up Jeff Cobb. Which, From St. Louis. Which, yeah, I get it. I, your point is valid. Why are we picking up Jeff Cobb when we're traveling from St. Louis when there's fucking a whole office staff in Kansas City? So he's you, coming into Topeka. Yeah. We're in St. Louis. Yeah. We have to drive to get him. Right. So we're picking him up. Uh, he comes out of his hotel, goes, hey, I got to take my rental car back to the airport. He had been there like a week. He had family and shit or something in Kansas City where he knew people. So we follow him to the airport, he drops his car off, he gets in the car, and he just goes, hey guys, how you doing? Uh, thank you for uh, following me to the airport. And which your response back was, not like we had much of a choice. You make me sound like I'm a fucking villain. <laughs> That's it was what you show, said. That's but it, was, it wasn't like, hey, Jeff. Yeah, but, but, but he doesn't know you. No. So he didn't know if you were joking or not. And I think that's proven because he didn't say a goddamn word Because he us. was sick and he, was, he fucking closed his eyes till <laughs> yeah. we drove to the venue. He didn't say a word the rest of the trip. Uh, didn't even talk to Dak. They just went out there and felt it. <laughs> and like another part of that story is the show's running fucking early or something. So I, they had me go at, tell Cobb and Dak, like, hey, this main needs to be like 25 minutes. <laughs> and Cobb was like, 25 minutes. I was like, yeah, that's what they want. And he did it. It was a good match. Um, but yeah, you treated him like shit. I didn't treat him like shit. <laughs> I'm just a unique fucking snowflake that no one <laughs> understands me. <laughs> but I'm just a weird dude. You know, things are looking kind of bleak at this point because the numbers aren't great. Um, so Major's falling off the radar a little bit. And when he comes back, it is that he is telling Chris, like, hey, we need to lay off X amount of people. So then there was a couple week process, maybe. Then I I knew about a lot. Of, I me and Chris communicated a lot. So I kind of well, I mean NWL is dead now, so I can just talk. I knew I wasn't going to be laid off by the time we got to like the layoffs. Yeah. Like I, I knew I would be fine because I had talked to Chris about a lot of this. So yeah. I kind of already knew what was going to shake down from here. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be some people pissed to hear that because the way these layoffs happen is we have a fucking meeting and Major comes in and goes, you know, unfortunately we're going to be laying some people off today. Uh, 
where I call you into the office one by one and let you know if you're going to be staying or if you're going to be laid off. Bachelor style. And then Everybody he, gets a rose, stays. And then he was like, if you're on the phone, which it was, I think it was only, it was me and one other person on Bruce? the phone. No, I think Bruce had already been gone at this point. Uh, he was like, you know, you'll be, we'll call you. So, you know, for people who didn't know, that's fucking terrible. Like, to have to sit there and wait for you. I think the first person that was called in was Gabe. Because <laughs> I remember him going, like, the last thing I hear on the phone is, Gabe, will start with you. And then yeah. they hung up. But That little bitch probably cried. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, he's never going to listen to this. Gabe is a listener. Oh. He just kissed that journey booking goodbye. <laughs> I wasn't booked there anyway. What are you talking about? Uh, he hates me. But I, I knew. I treat him like shit. I knew I would be okay. Uh well, I mean, it makes sense for you to be okay because, in theory, what would have happened probably in Chris's eyes is that if you would have gotten laid off, that all that would have flowed back to him along with the new responsibility plus any other high-level stuff that right. they got. So. Well, I mean, it wasn't like I was kept and I was scot-free. Like, I mean, they called me, said, you know, you're going to be kept, but you're going to have to take on more responsibility. And Major made it clear. He's like, I pay you too much like, I need you to have... I pay you too much to live in St. Louis and have the responsibilities that you have. Okay. Which I don't think, though, he even knew at this time that I was writing and doing all the wrestling shit. Because, again, he had kind of fallen off the radar. So I'm not even sure how much he knew about what I was doing. But... So pretty much what the deal was, I'd continue doing what I was doing and I would take over updating the website, like... uh uploading every video we had on YouTube I would put on the website, which there was like a huge backlog I had to do. Mm, and you didn't do it. No, I did. Oh. Uh, but, so, I had to start doing some website shit on top of the wrestling stuff. And then I had made a deal with Chris on the side where I was like, look, if, uh, if you want, I will commit to coming to every show, like the house shows and TVs, and then you and St. Louis or Strider can stay home <clears throat> if you want a weekend off. I will be here to run them all. And, you know, he liked that because it means he could have stayed home some if he wanted. And then I would run the shows and I would travel from St. Louis. But, you know, some good people did get laid off. I mean, that saw the end of uh, Outlaw. Bo Brady got laid off. There's some more office people that you wouldn't that, that no one would know, but wrestler wise, I think it was Outlaw and Bolt Brady that got laid off. But yeah, so I was happy I didn't have to move to Kansas City. Uh, I did have to start doing more of the website shit, and that now after these layoffs have happened, at this time now I'm fully fucking booking the company, like writing the TV, booking the house shows. It's all me because Chris has now had to take on even more responsibility because now we're down however many people have to teach new people how to do shit because now it's turned into where like wrestlers just aren't wrestlers anymore. You're going to have to try to do sales or you're going to be doing graphics now and you're going to do this because we had to have people doing multiple jobs. Which is honestly something that should have happened from the start. Yeah, no, I, 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 again, like we said earlier, 
or maybe we're on part two now, so maybe we said this on part one. Who knows? Um, I feel like uh, that's how this should have been at the beginning. And I, I, I believe all these people under contract and all that for this length of time. Because, I mean, before we did the last, I can't remember exactly when the layoffs happened. I think August. So we go January to August running things as we did. That's a lot of fucking money to lose. Where mm-hmm. if it would have started, if it would have started how it ended, if we would have just had the people doing what they were doing at the start as when it ended, we'd probably still be in business. Um, but, you know, hindsight. And looking back on, like we were told, we didn't learn this till after the company closed, but he was going to shut it down in August, but decided to like keep it going. So even then, people hate on him, which is whatever your opinion is. He went from August to April the next year trying to make it work when he was going to shut it down in August because he had already lost more money than what he wanted to lose. Probably should take a break, huh? Should we? Yeah. Should we? Yeah, I think we should. All right, I still hate Sugar Dunkerton. So also another big thing that uh, kind of comes of the layoffs is the office is shut down. And people start working out of the TPC. Right, yeah, which probably should have happened from the very beginning. This is like another thing where you look at the scope of it all, why it didn't work out. Like, I mean, those offices, I think, were ten grand a month, the lease, like the rent. Jeez. And it's like, why do that and have a TPC? Like, we could have just always worked out of the TPC and... It would have went fine, um, you know. It, it, so that was going to happen. The office was getting shut down. They were moving to work out of the TPC, um, and then the TPC was also going to get renovated into an arena. So like the beginning parts of that are happening at this point. When like little things are starting to change, like we started flexing more names into the company. Like we're allowed to start doing that. Like we're kind of just given a budget to do with as we want. Yeah. So. Well, and you can kind of tell the, like the distinct names that are brought in and who influences who. Like Mangan Barbarian is obviously a Chris thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bringing in, what was that guy's name from Lucha Underground? Uh, Marty DeMoss. Yeah, but that was a Dak thing because they're well, friends, right? Well, they are friends, but that was a Chris decision. Okay. Um, and then there's Quack. Yeah, which you know I got pushed back on, not from Chris, but uh, there were other people in the company that were like, that thought like his seminar wouldn't draw. I'm not gonna. It wasn't Chris, and it wasn't Major. <laughs> so it was me, Quack. I'm sorry, I betrayed you. But I knew it would, and it did. And just having Quack and Bush there was great because I liked having guys like him. Uh, Stephen Richards was another one where I could go to them and be like get advice from them on how to do my job better. Uh, and I did like we did a, we had Steven Richards in once for a house show and TV double shot. Mm-hmm. So on the job one house show, I had asked him, Hey, would you, will you sit in this vicinity where I'm producing the show and any advice or critiques? Like, please let me know. Cause it's hard to get advice. Like when we're, you know, you bring in wrestlers, you don't bring in a lot of guys who, have produced at a high level, mm-hmm. but Stephen Richards was a help. Quack was a big help. Like he helped me uh, produce the p- promos at the end, and he had great advice for like Connor and the Rashid Ali thing, and he helped out with that. 
And I, I mean, I, I just think Quack's great. I put Quack over forever. And he gave like a locker room speech that was fucking really good before the show. And getting and to introduce Major to Quack was also a highlight. How'd that go? I, yeah. That's what I want to know about. <laughs> Fine. I mean, nothing. This Major didn't have any idea who he was. So when he gives like his impact, he gives the Quack and Bush speech. Mm-hmm. Major's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it was, no, I have an erection for the first time in my life. <laughs> Um, I, 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 yeah, we could put Quack over forever. Who did Stevie Richards wrestle again? You, right? And? No, I remember. Jason Strife. Yeah. Oh. We brought Richards in a couple times, I yeah, think. I think three. Yeah. I'll always hate Jason Strife for ruining that, that <laughs> team we had. You ruined it, buddy. We were yeah. the kings of squashes. You ruined it. Uh, but yeah, so you start seeing more names come in. Jimmy Jacobs comes in. Eddie Kingston comes in. Now, there was more plans for Eddie Kingston generally than there was for anybody else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Kingston really was all about NWL. Like, I, I again, don't want to speak for him, but I believe that if it, if the opportunity was there, he would have signed with NWL. It, well, because he was talking about moving into the Midwest area, probably with Vega. Um and uh and just making NWL well, a main focus. He was gonna uh, spend the summer here, yeah. and do all the NWL shows. Uh, he really liked it, and I, he was a perfect fit. Obviously, like, he should be on fucking TV Mondays, but mm-hmm. I don't know why he's not. I, I, that guy's promo, I, I, we could put him over forever too. His promos mm-hmm. are great. We had so much good shit planned with him. Like he was gonna do some shit with uh, Strider that would have been really good. We, we were doing those Beyond the Leagues, which were really fucking good. That was all Jake Durden. Like, that was Durden's, like, job. That was, like, his project to do these Beyond the Leagues. And he did fucking great. And the Kingston one was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I got to work with him a little bit when he, uh, we did some angle where he was fucking blowing up in production. And that was all just him on the fly working as we're filming it back there. And, like, he's getting in my face, so I have to start, like, working, too. <laughs> oh, you got to put pull those yeah, slacks up, brother? Still had it. Uh, but he, it, it was fun, and, like, he did great. But, yeah, those Beyond the Leagues that we were doing were really good, and that was all uh, Jake Durden doing those. They made me stay in character, sort of, and that was weird to me. <laughs> they wanted Buddy Shepard to be not me, but someone similar to Buddy Shepard. Right. No, I, I know. I think that was my call. Fuck you. <laughs> I wanted you to stay. <clears throat> Basically, yeah. Um, yeah, those are really good. Yeah. But, yeah, Kingston, we had big plans for him, and he was all about it. Uh, so that was a big thing that fell through when this went under. You know, getting to work with a guy like Ace Steele, that was cool. Like yeah. Ace was a big help. And what I respected about Ace is that he would listen to me. Like, he wasn't a guy that was like, wait a minute, I've been doing this for way longer than you. I've done this at such a high level. I'm going to do what I want. Like, he wasn't like that. He would give advice, like, if he thought If you asked for it as or, a match. Sometimes he would just give it, and it would. I'd always be like, oh, yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. Like, he helped out, but he wasn't, like, a guy. He wasn't a vet. Right. He wasn't a guy that was, like, trying to throw his weight around or nothing. Like, he, he knew what he was talking about, and he weighed in at appropriate times and let it be known what he thought. And that, that to me, that's how you do things. Like, he was being paid to wrestle. And he knew that, and but when he seen something, he would fucking go, "Hey, you know, what do you think about this?" Oh, well, yeah, that's a good idea. 
I remember a fun story I had is um, <clears throat> early on I asked him to watch one of my matches, and but he put together his and forgot to watch mine. Yeah. And so every point after that, I'd always ask him to watch my match. Whenever it'd be like the outlaw squash, the shark bait squash, <laughs> yeah. or like the stupid small things I would do. I think I asked him just to watch my match, but all I was doing was managing Connor at one point. So like, so you fucked with A Steel too? <laughs> I did. Jeez. Maybe I am an asshole. Yeah. Fuck, I am an asshole. <laughs> Fuck. Breaking news. It just uh, hit me. But yeah, having Ace around was great. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so these are all like an Ace. I can't remember exactly when he came in, but I think he'd been there a while. He came in because, like, there was supposed to, if I remember the storyline right, is there was supposed to be, like, four members of the foundation. Wyatt Strider, uh, the guy in the fur coat, and then the other one. Ace. Ace was always a member of the foundation. Yeah, yeah, but he wasn't supposed to be there at first because he was supposed to team with uh, Gil Rogers, who there's a fun story about later. But then he immediately betrays him, right? Right, I think so. Either way, I'm just I'm trying to tie this all into the crowds growing. So oh, it's well, like, before the crowds grow, there's also a fun story that Fitchick wanted us to tell about the time he wrestled Ming and Barbarian. Oh well, yeah, he wrestled Ming and Barbarian. Nothing happened in the match. You <laughs> well, fuck. He, he got busted open. Yeah, he he made it a point to tell us to tell that story. Uh, he uh, took a chop. Like they did fan chops, and he got chopped by a kid and oversold it and fucking cut his head open on the railing. And then him and Barbarian had to brawl to the back. Yeah, well, we had Barbarian. I knew it was bad. I remember watching the match, and I'm marking out because, like, fucking Vega pump kicks Ming square in the fucking face. Ming doesn't care. And that. Ming fires up out of it and comes at Vega. I, I was, I think I was watching this with Hoodie. And it was like me, Hoodie, maybe Gabe was over there, and we're fucking marking out for it. And um, next thing you know, though, they brawl off in the crowd. Kind of hard to see. Next thing I see is Ming coming, and Fitchett's got his both hands under his head. And they're filled. I could tell from across the fucking room that his hands were filled with blood. I was like, oh, shit. He's fucking busted open bad. And he was. Um, I go back and check on him, and it was a pretty bad cut. Uh but yeah, the, 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 it would be a better story if it was fucking barbarian went nuts and shot on Fitchett and cut him open and with a razor blade. Yeah, Ming and... attacked him and tried to fucking eat his head. But no, they did crowd chops and Fitchett oversold a chop from a six-year-old girl and cut his head on the goddamn railing, and that's how he got busted open. Hardest hit. But old Vega, old Vega had to get in there with uh, both Ming and the barbarian and fight them both. For a period of time until, you know, the finish. He fought for his life, but damn it. Vega pump kicking Ming's a highlight of the company for me. Because he fucking blasts Ming. And then Ming just fires up and fucking attacks him. It was so good. Actually, Ming was... I, I didn't really talk with Barbarian much. But Ming was really cool, too. Ming got went to the TPC and, like, rolled around with Hoodie during the day. And yeah. he was, like, thanking us for bringing him in. It's like, well, you're Ming. Like, you're, <laughs> you're doing us a favor. He was very humble. He uh, gave the Tongan death grip to Jake Durden. Like, that was pretty cool. Like, he allowed him to start using that as his finish. People might not know that because a lot of these videos are gone and yeah, never to be seen well, again. That's well, something that did they're happen. out there. I, I you know I I don't know like there's that KC wrestling YouTube that saved mm-hmm. like all the stuff off the NWL uh, YouTube page. Yeah, I'm very. I wonder if those Beyond the Leagues are on there. 
I don't know. Those were really good stuff, though. Um, um, I also remember that Ming was just like a cool guy. He just sat in the locker room and chilled. Yeah. I remember Ace Steel marked out for him, and that was also cool. Uh, I, I think we all did, though. They oh, were Ming yeah. and the Barbarian. Yeah. Mostly I, Ming. The fact that I uh, that we got to do Ming and the Barbarian versus the Besties is funny to me. And uh, like, what was great was like, I, I, it's I think it's oh, fuck. Who told this story? Is either Maverick or Vega? And because they're talking about Ming, is like when I'm out there, hit me. I think it was Vega because I think it, it, the pump kick hits him uh, anyway. Yeah, it was, uh, we'll get Vega on here to tell this story one day. Yeah, it was good. Uh, so like, we start seeing our our numbers grow though during this time, and it was just like out of nowhere. We just did a TV and uh, at an Overland Park, and it fucking drew huge, like sold out the building. Wasn't that though the Hardcore Holly and Maverick? No, hard, okay. that happened in. St. Joseph, but that was a big crowd. It was actually, I think, the Jimmy Jacobs show. Okay. And and then from there on, I, I mean, we, we popped a big draw to TV out of nowhere. And from then on, we were fucking killing it. And we were all, we did, the only town that drew less than 250 people was St. Louis. We'll I mean, get we, to St. Louis in a we, minute. We were drawing between three and sometimes up to 600 people. Wherever we were going, every single weekend, we were doing. We did a double shot. We were a little worried about that. We were doing St. Joe and then TV the next day in Overland Park. Those are pretty close together. Yeah, and we fucking sold out both buildings and like things were going. And this wasn't once a month. This was every other week in Kansas City, and then we were running house shows every weekend. So, yeah, we were killing it. And what's the crew start looking like here? Well, I mean, it's... Like, what's the roster start? Because now now the the, the roster is even more condensed of yeah, the best I mean, of the it's best. it's pretty much like... So you got all your full-time guys. So you have Dak, Maverick, the Regal Twins, Foster. Uh, who am I forgetting? Dak, Regals, Foster. Maverick. Maverick. Then you have, like, the besties are starting to become every show guys. Gary's becoming an every show guy. Niles Plunk, um, you're there from occasionally, mostly most of the time. Uh, who else? Rashid's a lot. He's on, on most of the shows at this point. I know I'm forgetting people, but no, that's fine. Like I'm just it, saying, like Thor, like yeah, Thor's Thor, the other full time Thor, Thor Hoodie, yeah. <laughs> like those guys are every show people now, and we pretty much. Just have a roster at this point. St. Louis, it tweaks a little bit because we get on like the Connors and the Pacos and mm. people like that. Out murder still around. He wrestles Tommy Dreamer. We'll, uh, have we talked about? Um, it's not MSG yet. No, I mean there's not much to talk about with MSG. We only did the two shows there. We did the Tommy Dreamer match, but Ugh. I guess like the the only the thing that comes out of MSG is that Chris starts seeing Gary. For what he is. And that's what I wanted to get to. Because he has that, him and Maverick have a killer main event on the first one. And then, like, the second one, Fitchett's not available. So we do Vega Gary against Maverick and Dak, which goes well. But then we roll into O'Fallon. And then O'Fallon is where I really feel we hit a good stride as a promotion in St. Louis. Like, those shows were good shows. And... Mm -hmm. 
if, if Anarchy fans should regret anything about NWS, they, they should have come out to some of those shows and tried to give it a chance. See, I disagree. I think, like, if that's what they want, I think those MSG shows were great. So, the only thing, like, I felt bad for Murder because... I'm not going to talk bad about Tommy Dreamer. I, I don't care for him. It wasn't Tommy Dreamer. Uh, the fucking yeah. State Athletic Commission wouldn't let him do half the shit they wanted to do in the crowd. Sure. Um, but, like, those were good shows, and those saw the return of Dingo. Yeah. And, like, Dingo and Strider were fucking, like, never thing, missed a beat. God, the, fuck the, that. The only thing about, MS, so good. about MSG, it was just so big. Hmm. When we got to O'Fallon, we had that intimate fucking setting again, like Spalding. Not that anything would ever be Spalding Hall, but this was an intimate setting. And we it, the fans that were coming out were passionate about it. And hmm. it was finally something where it's like, this is fucking cool. Where the MSG shows were good. It's just a fucking building. Like with the Tommy Dreamer one, we drew almost 300 for just that show. Yeah, but it didn't look like it because of the fucking size. Crowd. Yeah. Um, but when we got no Fallon, shit really started clicking. And then when we did the Maverick Gary, where where Gary wins the belt. Oh, that was hot. That atmosphere was everything that we had at an Anarchy atmosphere. People were fucking going nuts for that. They they wanted Gary to win, and I I truly believe that none of them really thought he was going to win the belt. And he did, and it was a fucking big fucking reaction. And that atmosphere was an anarchy-like atmosphere. And that was the only time we ever really had it in St. Louis for NWL. But those O'Fallon shows, those were good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll never see Gary and Maverick because it was uh, unfortunately lost. Fucking, yeah, yeah, I lost the goddamn footage. Oh, I was pissed about that. So was Maverick. <laughs> yeah, so was Maverick. Because Maverick, like, Maverick kind of had, like, not a rough time, but so we're used to Texas wrestlers. Right. But, like, a story that we can tell about Maverick is, like, early on, he would just eat people up. Yeah. If you didn't bring it back to him, he would just... He well, would all just, those he Texas would, guys are like that. Well, yeah, like, but, like, that's something we know. We, like, it happened to us, and then we fucking quickly adapted to that. Striders like that. Yeah. Like... And, like, the problem was Maverick was just eating these people up. And, like, they're good people. But, like, that's how Maverick wrestles. And I don't find anything wrong with that. Um, And then he starts with Gary. And that's where I feel Maverick's really challenged for the first time is in matches with Gary. Like, he's had good matches. That's not what I'm not saying. Not A lot of it was character stuff, too. Like, he started out as a baby face and... That never really worked. When he got to switch over to heel mm-hmm. is when he started fucking clicking better than him and Drew Gold was money. Um But yeah, those O'Fallon shows are really good. And then but you know, they're still only drawing around hundred and twenty. We start we're t- we're ticking up every time. We're yeah. picking up legitimately like ten to fifteen new fans, like more every time we run. But it's a slow tick. But now, like, we're doing fucking St. Joe, we're doing Overland Park, we're doing Turner again, we're, we're doing Springfield, Joplin, uh, um, Wichita. Yeah. And they're all drawing mm-hmm. within three to fucking 500 people. I remember I had to go with Strider to promote a St. Joe show once. And that I was, was with you. Yeah. It was just weird, though. It was like you, me, and Strider, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Well, that was the loop where you did... 
I've ring announced, wrestled, and then managed. Well, you did, uh, that was a loop where we went to Joplin. Yeah. You did street team the night before Joplin. The day of the Joplin show, you left Joplin, went to Kansas City to do a street team at Chicken and Pickle. Mm-hmm. Then the next day was TV. We got up early, went to St. Joe to do that street team with Strider, then came to TV, worked the TV, then went home. We stayed at the TPC the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, we started sleeping there. Yeah, it was a cool fucking place. We would save major money by sleeping at the TPC and not telling him. I think Chris knew because that's how we got a key and I had to run it by him. At one time, we fucking woke up to major turning the lights on. We're like, what the hell are you guys doing here? <laughs> we were just like sleeping. Yeah, we were asleep. Uh, but yeah, things are really picking up at that point. Um, construction's going on the TPC. Mm-hmm. Crowds are drawing. You know, it, things are going well, but then, you know, shit starts happening like uh, Major is not really coming around so much. Which I guess we'll take a break here in a second, then we'll kind of get into the closing. But, uh, you know, the, the neat thing about that, too, is at one time in this company, you had Besties as the tag champs, and then Gary had the STL title. Which gets turned into the spirit of NWL belt so that we can bring it to TV. Which I thought was a good name for it. Yeah, I, I named it. Uh, I I named it that. Ba- or no, I didn't. No, the fans did. The fan named that. Yeah. I didn't name that. What the fuck am I talking about? Calm down there. You're not taking but credit for I like shit. the spirit of NWL. Well, I think a fan wanted to name it the spirit title. I added in spirit of. I added the of in. Spirit of St. Louis. Title. Based off the old uh, fucking ABA team. Mm-hmm. But... Since we had these house show towns now, we just we didn't want like the NWL KC belt, the NWL STL belt, because why the fuck would people in Joplin, Springfield, Wichita care about that? So it turned into where the Kansas City belt was the NWL championship, and then the St. Louis belt would be like the Intercontinental title, so it would be the spirit of NWL belt. And I did, we were going to actually, I was going to get to use, I didn't know if we were going to actually get to do this, but we were going to adapt the anarchy thing to it where the spirit champion would get to pick their own rules. We were going to do that like the anarchy belt. No, that would have been cool. But I think we ended up deciding not to do that and we kind of settled on where the spirit belt, there just would be no rules. So it would be like a no DQ, no mm. count out. There has to be a winner sort of deal. Right, yeah, yeah. I think that's what that was going to be, or mm. it was. Um, and Gary and Maverick had some good matches for that too. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, things are going well, but we're starting to see, you know, some shit starting to happen, though, behind the scenes. But, but if you're just a fan of the company at this point, you're thinking, like, this is going great. They're drawing huge crowds every weekend, but... Behind the scenes, it's starting to look like a little bit different, which I guess we'll get into after this break. Correct. I was about to segue. Good job, buddy. I'm getting there. You'll get there. You're a podcast wizard. We're live, pal. Jesus. <laughs> All right, oh. wrap this shit up. It's been two podcasts. We're tired. We'll, well go home. I mean, so I mean, now we're pretty much at the point where things come to an end. Uh, it's it's crazy, but. It's the week before the TPC opens. Yeah, so the construction. Tom Pritchard's going to be there. Yeah, like we're we're moving on. Everyone's working business as usual. Uh, Major's nowhere to be found. I mean, he, he had fallen off. Like he hadn't come in since February. Uh, 
here and there, but I, I hadn't seen him at all. Like talk to him. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't on creative anymore at this point. Creative's just me, Chris and Strider. Uh, it's fun, like, and, and creative is pretty much done at that point. It's just us talking on the phone for an hour let, with stuff we've already laid out. Like, me and Chris would pretty much have a phone call at the end of every day and go over shit. But um, at this point, yeah, like he's just not showing up. But construction's being done on the TPC that he's obviously paying for. So you can't say for sure that like things look dire because this is still all being done. Uh, I'm talking to Chris and like it's pretty much just me and him trying to guess every day like what 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 we think's going to happen. Uh but eventually, you know, he finally hears from Major says he's going to schedule an all staff meeting for Friday <laughs> before the Joplin show. Yeah. Well, that never happens. Uh this meeting never happens. Uh I asked Chris, Chris goes, "Yeah, I haven't heard from him." Um maybe that was on a Thursday. Because by the time Friday hits, we now know that the meeting's going to happen next week. That's going into Joplin. Mm-hmm. At this point, me nor Chris know 100% what's going to happen. But you, you started reading the writing on but, the wall. But, you know, it's not good news. And so when me and Chris are at the Joplin house show, we, we think this is the last show. Yeah, but you can't tell everybody that because number one, you got to get through the day, and you got to get through that show, and you don't know for sure, so you're not going to want to panic people. Yeah, and, and, then, and then maybe it's not what it is. Yeah, maybe Vince McMahon saw the NWO and wants to buy it out. <laughs> so, but I figure it's pretty much done. Um, we do the Joplin show. The next weekend is supposed to be the TPC show. I had planned on coming into Kansas City on Tuesday and working out of the offices that week leading into the TPC show. Was it Tom or Bruce Pritchard? I don't remember. It was Tom Pritchard. Tom Pritchard, okay. Um, so what the way it would usually work now is if we had house shows over the weekend, everyone would be off on Monday. So I planned on leaving St. Louis Tuesday, traveling into Kansas City. So I had already bought the bus ticket. Um, I hit up Chris. I go, hey, uh, if if you if we think he's going to shut down, should I even come in? And he kind of is like, yeah, it's up to you. So I decide, I go, well, when's the meeting going to be? Because I, I don't want to come in on Tuesday, work four days out there spending money and shit. And then he shuts down the company and I'm out that money. I'd rather not do that. Yeah. So, uh, turns out like the meeting's going to happen on like a Thursday, I think. So I changed my bus ticket to Thursday to come in. I would have gotten in there at like fucking 9am. I would have to leave at like five in the morning. Yeah. I tell him, though, I go, you know, I don't think I want to come there and then have to turn right around and leave. I go, so if you hear anything, just let me know and I won't come. Uh, evening before the meeting, he fucking calls me. He goes, hey, man, I wouldn't get on that bus if I were you. And I go, oh, okay, so it's done. He goes, yeah, he's going to shut it down tomorrow. 
And so I, I knew for sure one night before everybody else did, but I kind of figured and drop when it was over. And that's pretty much what happened. Uh, we had a fucking call. Um, he came in, shut it down. Um, it sucked to know in some ways. You know, it's it's crazy because you'll have people who are mad as hell, rightfully so, that they had no idea that this was coming. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was almost, it was bad knowing it was coming because I'm sitting on hold. You've got like a full 10, on, 10 hours well, in advance. Well, and I, well, I'm sitting on the call. First person that talks to me is Gabe. And he's like, Jack, I thought you were uh, coming into town today. Or I thought you would be here. In which I have to just go, yeah, travel got fucked up. Because I can't go, well, I didn't. Because he's about to come in and shut down the company. Can't believe you would lie to my personal <laughs> friend Gabe. So I, I had to like not say anything over the phone. And then you hear on the phone everybody joking around. That's just what it was like there. Like you know, people loved working there. Everybody loved working with each other. We had a very good like atmosphere, and so everybody's joking around and fucking around. And then you then Major comes in, and you hear I think it was Gabe again. Go, oh hey Major, what's up? And then it's over. <laughs> so it's like it's not funny, but it is like that part fucking sucked because i was like i knew what was about to fucking happen and i you know you hear everybody having a good time and everything else it's like fuck man this is about to get real fucking bad and like poor marty was in route like she was in st louis at the st louis airport nobody fucking told her to call in so she wasn't even on the call when the company gets shut down she gets a text from someone that says, well, it's over. He shut down the company. And she has to call Chris and be like, what the fuck happened? So that was really shitty. Like, someone should have fucking told her to call in. Uh, they didn't know. I think the story with that is they didn't know she was on. They thought she was, like, in the air and wouldn't have been able to or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that really fucking sucks. And, I mean... At the end of the day, it just came down to too much money was lost at the beginning. And that's it. Like, that's why. uh, Because the house shows and even TV were making money. The shows themselves were making money. Mm. It was paying salaries. But we were even getting to a point through sponsorships and the shows making so much money that Major projected that by like April of this year. 2019. We would have broke even as a company. But he just didn't have the money to get us there. And the reason he was gone was because he was trying to like get investors or figure out a way to like save his company, make it work. And he wasn't able to do that. Uh, he, you know, he gave every, like, he didn't just shut down and that was it. I mean, everybody got another paycheck. Uh, he was going to honor the leases on the apartments until the leases were up or maybe or at least or until June or something. But, yeah, that was it. I mean, that phone call happened and, and you know, it was it was rough. And like now here we are doing this. Uh, it was rough. You know, the it, major was emotional doing it. Uh, I'm sure people in the office was I couldn't see I was on the phone. But at the end of it, it was like. The, the call happens. No one says anything. I just hear that ding that tells you the conference call is hung up. 
That was it. Fucking hung my phone up, looked at Deborah, went, well, that's it. It's over. And I think fucking two, three hours later, we relaunched Anarchy. Um, to a mild success. I, I was able to do that so quick because we were going to run Circus Maximus over that summer anyway, even if NWL was a thing. Uh, I was going to get permission to do that. And I wanted to do that because I felt bad for that soft relaunch that wasn't really anarchy. But we, even if NWL didn't close, Circus Maximus 2018 would have happened in Spalding. It would have been a legitimate anarchy show. Hmm. So I already had the social media shit back to do that. So that's why we were able to do it so quick. But uh, yeah, that was it. Shit was over. <laughs> I mean, it was just so... Is is quick as everything out of nowhere turned around and we're drawing huge houses was as quick as it fucking ended. Uh, he left it up to us if we wanted to do the TPC show. It was decided that it probably isn't a good idea to do. Looking back on it, maybe it would have been a good idea to kind of come together one more time for the fans and let them have that show. But you got to understand people just lost their jobs like this wasn't like a situation where you know an indie's going under let's have one more big show it's a situation where for a lot of these guys i gotta figure out where the fuck i'm gonna live i gotta figure out how i'm going to pay my rent now i have to figure out all of these things so having one more show isn't really at the top of your mind when you gotta figure out how you're going to survive so it was decided that you know we weren't going to do the show. Uh, if you would have, would so I, I, this is going to be weird. Like, would you even charge people, or would it just been like? Well, open? we we had to refund tickets anyway. I mean, we we had had over fucking two hundred and something pre-sale for that show, but it mm-hmm. all had to be refunded. We had like seventy-five fucking event T-shirts sold. And, and I look, if you're a fan listening to this and you didn't get refi, I had no, we had nothing. I had nothing to do with any of that shit, so I don't know what exactly happened. Once that fucking ding happened, that was it for me. Uh, I was done with NWL at that point, so I don't. Hopefully, Major refunded everybody. If he didn't, that really fucking sucks. But nothing that I could do about that. Yeah, don't hit up anybody about this. It's just sorry. <laughs> it's. It was quick, man. Like, just that fast, it went from NWL to I was back doing Anarchy again. And Mm -hmm. here we are. But that call really sucked. Like, I felt... I felt bad for... For all those guys. Because, you know, they didn't know it was about to happen. I remember you called me and you said, uh, Well, it's over. And I said, Oh, what? What happened? And you told me. And I was like, Well, that fucking... That was... That sucked. I'm pretty sure I told you the day before, probably, that I knew for sure it was going to be over. Was it? Uh, probably. I can't imagine. I, I just remember have, the call. I can't imagine like, I wouldn't have told you about it. That's fair. <laughs> I just remember the call being like, oh, this is weird. What is he calling me about right now? And then he's like, yep, it's over. Yeah. And I then I told everybody else. <laughs> it was, you know, it was rough, but, it, you know, I guess to kind of wrap it up, I, I don't know how we want to do a wrap up. Final thought type deal. Yeah, go for it. Final uh, thoughts on NWL. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for our final thoughts. Uh, we'll see you guys later. Well, you know, like there's a lot of people that work for NWL that fucking hate Major's guts now, and I, I think that everybody handles things different. 
and I didn't have to move. So for me, maybe I, it's easier for me to say these things because I didn't have to uproot my life and move to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. You know, it ended for me. My bills still need to be paid, but I was at least where I was the whole time. Yeah. But, I mean, I looked at this as I, it's the wrestling business, and I know what business I'm in. It's a business that's full of, like, fake promises, and people tell you one thing that never happens, whatever. This man started this company and paid a lot of people a full-time living wage and insurance for 18 months. It's the equivalent of hitting the wrestling lottery. And you ride that until it's over. I don't feel like you can then sit there and be bitter about it because who was going to pay you that money to wrestle if this didn't happen? And that's kind of how I look at it. I booked wrestling for 10 years for fucking little or nothing. Mostly nothing. Mostly nothing. And I got paid for 18 months to write weekly TV. Mm -hmm. Our ratings beat Raw in Kansas City. And I got to hang my hat on that. And it went away. It sucks. But why? I I mean, I'm not going to hate the man that provided that money. Because he had to stop providing that money. You are in the wrestling business. This is that that shit happens. Should be happy that it lasted eighteen months. Now, I granted it sucks because I mean we put in a lot of hard work, but what the fuck can you do? <laughs> There's I mean, nothing yeah. you can do. I, I I like playing the character on the TV show. That was oh, fun. I got to do that. That's something we never actually really touched on. When did that come about that you would be a character? And was there ever talk of Chris being a character? Yeah, I had to be the character because Chris didn't want to do it. Cinnamon. Well, Chris didn't want to do it, and it, it was supposed to be major at first. Okay. But people would sometimes take our stories so seriously that Major was afraid that it would affect his other businesses to be a heel character in Kansas City. So he didn't want to do that and, yes. and, and risk that. So it became me. Well, some of the roster members took the storylines pretty seriously, too. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get into it. We got into it last time, and I felt like a jerk for calling this person out on it. The, well, okay, but we, if we don't want to name their name, we don't have to. There was a wrestler who was ends up being one of the most over-wrestlers in the company who has a conversation with Davey Vega, of all people. Like, Vega wouldn't tell me about this. And says, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do now that Matt Jackson's in charge. <laughs> Like, brother, you know it's a story, right? But that was funny. Hmm. Uh, Shout out Gil Rogers. (laughs) (laughs) You asshole. Yeah, so... (laughs) And look, I mean, I got to work with a lot of people that, you know, I I have never worked with before. Like, me and Dax Draper put in some serious work. And, like, I feel like that dude's a hell of a performer and... uh, I have a small fucking part of that. Like I, me and him worked on promos for hours after TVs a couple times. Um, Maverick became a, I think Maverick might've been the most improved out of the entire fucking crop of guys. Cause when he first started and we would have to film those promos after the Casa Loma shows, he was not good and he would get pissed and he'd get frustrated he ends up becoming a very good fucking promo. 
So seeing guys grow into that, like seeing Foster cut great TV fucking promos, seeing fucking Drew Gold go from being a guy to being the best fucking promo maybe in the entire company. Like that shit was, I think I think he was. Like that that was all fucking great stuff. Getting to see Dorian Russell again, getting to see fucking guys improve. Like I mean NWL was a positive overall for everybody. Because even if you felt scorned or fucked over at the end, for people that were with us for the majority of the run, they all became better performers from it. And and they all got gear and boots out of it. Right. And even if you're a guy that didn't last long, you at least got some fucking free shit. So I don't see where it was a bad thing at all. Uh, you know, getting to see Hoodie improve and become a great performer. Like, I mean, there's so much positive about it. It's impossible to sit here and name absolutely every little thing. But for I guess for me, being able... Because it's very easy to just run your own indie and people tell you that it's you're good. Like you're if, if you're running your own indie, talent's mostly not gonna tell you, hey, you know, you suck at what you're doing. Cause they want that booking and they want to get paid. Where to have someone else pay you to do that job and then it goes well and the company does well and your ratings are good and you see talent improve, you know, now I've I'm more confident in my own abilities because I've done it on a higher level where someone was paying me and I'm working with talent that I had never fucking met before this that also have told me I did a good job. So for me, that was good for that. So it was like a fucking way to prove to myself that I'm good at what I do rather than just always wonder like, yeah, are you only good at this because it's fucking anarchy and people know that you're in charge and they're not going to tell you you're not that great. So for this to be a whole new venture and do well and see fucking really big improvements for me, it like fucking made me go, okay, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm good at this. But you're not. I know. <laughs> uh, for me, I'll never hate Major because he um, gave you <laughs> the dream job, man. I can never, I can never fully hate the man. I have a suit, a cape. I've <laughs> lost the gear. I've got the boots. <laughs> You never uh, found that gear? I never found that gear. Jesus. I had somewhere. Maybe I'll look at my trunk. I can never hate him. Like, he paid me well. But the main thing, the main thing for me, I'm not getting choked up. I'm getting, I'm choking on something. So if it sounds like that, I just bit my nail and it's stuck in my throat. Is that, um, well, he told these people we'd never lie to him. <laughs> You're dying. Um, my eyes are watering. It's hard to see. Maybe I am emotional. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a tad bit emotional. Yeah, no, it's it's just that he gave you this opportunity. Um, and that that's honestly what it meant to me. Like, you know, that's yeah. it. Yeah, it, like I said, it was fun. I, I mean, and some of this funny shit that's come out of it. A lot of fun stories and shit, like being on calls and listening to dumb shit. Like, it's funny. I think one of my favorite lines is I don't know that you said it, but it's it's to. Um, Travis was that the guy's name when you were like, if you tell Matt Fitch, oh, yeah, that was like the first thing. Yeah, they wanted to call him. That's Matt. one of my favorite lines of this. I told uh, it was Chris and Major. I, go, I can tell you, I go Vegas, pretty easygoing guy. I go, but if you pitch the Fitch that you're gonna call him fucking Matt Blue, I go, he's gonna hang up, and that'll be the end of that. <laughs> I go, you gotta that's that ain't gonna work. It was just I don't know why I just I still think that's funny as shit. He's just gonna hang up on you. And that's it. I was just, I was always known as like, no one ever thought I was in a good mood because I would come on the conference calls and they'd be like, hey, Jackson. I'd just be like, hello. 
Like, because I wouldn't be like, oh, hey, guys, how you doing? Like, I just, hello, like, what's, what's the fuck? Talk to you every day. Like, I'm. It's like the wrestling handshake thing. Yeah, you shake like, your hand. Maybe I should be happier to be on this phone. Maybe, maybe if you were happier, the, the company would still yeah, be alive. Maybe it was my negative attitude. <laughs> Not the thousands and millions of dollars that were spent at the beginning, but it was my negative attitude on the phone. That's what did it, yeah. Son of a bitch. Yeah. My favorite thing that came out of this was um, Dak Draper introducing me to the Polish prince Uh. and my online feud with that guy uh, that he thought was real. And then I got Kev just always being a Speedos (laughs) in that fucking mask. Well, it's funny is somehow, <laughs> somehow Fitchett's fucking getting shit even happened in NWL where he had that fucking Gordy Boggs belt and mm-hmm. we would record shit after the shows and even then he got that shit. Yep. Yeah, like it was David cool. Arquette, you're welcome for the career back in wrestling to Matt Fitchett. <laughs> but overall it was fun i mean a lot of funny shit like we did that ready to rumble 2 trailer right before the company closed that was funny um good shit i think that's about all i have i think we actually covered about everything but we're gonna do a deal well we'll talk about it on the first one right with fan questions no like we'll put it on social media okay but if you had questions they'll probably be either answered at the end of this or in like a one-off too right so if you have questions and you hear this one, you can still send them in. Yeah, I know some of the ones we're going to answer are favorite matches, favorite like um, favorite characters, stuff like that. Right. Um, if we don't get enough questions, then we probably won't cover it. This will be the end of it. Right yeah. So there you go. The fate is in your hands. <laughs> Choose wisely. <coughs> Give me a second. I'm still dying. Christ, man. What the hell's happened to you? There you go. Uh, so as always, like, comment, subscribe. I don't know. What do we, how do we end these again? That's pretty much it. Like, comment, subscribe, share it, help us promote it. We, uh, we started out real strong, but we've had a little bit of a dip. So we want to get those people back. You sons of bitches. That's exactly how we're going to do it. (laughs) I don't got to do this. We don't need to do this. (laughs) We could just hang out and do nothing. (laughs) Right. But uh, we're going to go get lunch now, so we'll see you guys probably in two weeks. Well, I don't know. When's this going to air? Fuck if I know. No, this will be... You know what? Well, we'll talk about it later, but we're going to have... Cut it, cut it, cut it. Our schedule's fucked. Well, there was the episode, folks. We hope you enjoyed the long spill at the beginning to answer all your questions. If you have any other questions, hit us up. If you have any complaints that you feel like we've wronged or slighted you, hit us up, as always, at Heal Money Jovi. But... Um... The big deal here is that this coming yep. weekend is Gateway to Anarchy 2017, right? Nope. God. Anarchy versus everybody. <laughs> March 23rd. Wait, this isn't the year 2017? I am <laughs> fucked. Well, I could. I, sometimes I forget the fucking year, but that's another story. Uh, yeah, we're going to actually be back next week. So you guys are getting the podcast uh Three weeks in a row. And, you know, look, if we keep getting the downloads that we got on part one, we'll consider doing this every week. Um, So pretty much if if you have any questions about part two, shoot us a DM, either one of us, um, because we can cover that on our March 23rd recap. So after every Anarchy show, we are going to do one of these. So if it happens to fall in that time frame, you get one 
you know, you get an extra podcast. So, uh, yeah, so we'll be here to talk about March 23rd. I don't want to say for sure because who knows how this is going to go. Gary may end up dying. But if Gary's still alive after the 23rd, I may try to get him on to do the recap with us. Not just be our fact checker, but be a be a front man. Should, uh, should we give away our new podcast segment that's going to start, or uh, do we just wait and that's another tease? Uh, three teases sounds good to me because I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, uh, we have a segment that's going to start uh, this week in wrestling. Going to kind of go away, but we're going to have a new segment that I think people are going to enjoy. God damn it, don't stop fucking putting shit in here that I don't know about. He gets everything he wants, and he wants a segment on our podcast, so there's your tease. Ah, Jesus. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Well, hopefully we'll see you at uh, Anarchy versus Everybody, the first Saturday show of the year, guys. See ya. Yeah, well, let's pack it, because you people tell me that uh, Saturdays is what we need to be doing, so don't prove that uh, you're right. Don't ever interrupt. Enjoy this long child. Uh, God damn it, just shut up, just shut up, just shut up. Don't ever interrupt me in my ending again. You son of a bitch.